This is Lakers Carpool. My name is James Brooks. Whether I'm joining you on your carpool or you're joining me on mine, welcome in. So I've been on vacation for the last couple of days, so I haven't been able to record an episode um, since the start of the NBA Finals. So where we're at, we're, the Lakers are up two games to one. They basically blew out the heat in the first two games, lost in game three on Sunday night. Um, I had to watch that game on the plane um, coming back from West Virginia, so wasn't able to uh, start any, do any podcasts up until today. So today's episode, we're going to go over games one, game two, and game three. Let's get after it. So games one and two of the NBA Finals. The basic overall recap is that the Lakers just absolutely dominated both of those games and that the Heat did have some players go down with injuries, some key players, that being Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic. Uh, they they played in game one, but they, had, they both left early in game one and then have not played at all uh, in game two or game three. I hear, as of today, that Bam Adebayo has been listed to questionable Whereas I think he was, well, he ended up being ruled out, but it was before the last couple of games, he was ruled uh, doubtful before those games. So that's a kind of an upgrade for his injury status is being listed as questionable. And Goran Dragic is listed as doubtful going into game four, which takes place tomorrow, which is Tuesday night. So that being said, the Lakers absolutely dominated. The heat injuries really only helped the Lakers dominate, um, especially from a physicality standpoint. And, just rebounding, being on the boards, getting offensive rebounds, all those types of things. And, I mean, the Lakers were pretty dominant in Game 1, even when the Heat were playing with Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo. But once they went down, the Lakers just put their foots on the Heat's necks in Game 1 and absolutely dominated that game. So, Game 1 of the NBA Finals, the Lakers won that game. I'm pulling up the score just so I can let you all know. I mean, I'm sure you guys already know, but might as well just say it. So the Lakers won game one, 116 to 98. Anthony Davis, he absolutely dominated in game one. He had 34 points and nine rebounds. He dominated again in game two, which the Lakers won that game, 124 to 114. Uh, the score of the 10-point win. A little closer than the game actually was. The Lakers were pretty dominant throughout the entirety of that game. But Anthony Davis dominated in that game as well with 32 points and 14 rebounds in Game 2. And then to pile things on, LeBron, he was extremely dominant as well in Games 1 and 2. He had 25 points, 13 rebounds, 9 assists in Game 1. And then in Game 2, he had 33 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists to help carry the Lakers to victories in the first two games. So... I'm going to jump, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go through games one and game two, talk about those a little bit and jump to game three, but a little uh, precursor for game three, if you haven't seen any, seen it yet, but that's where the Lakers lacked in game three, Anthony Davis, LeBron James were not as dominant. They did not dominate in the same way that they did in games one and game two, but going back to game one. So the heat, 
in game one, they just didn't look ready for the Lakers. They were not ready for the physicality that the Lakers came out with. Um, the Lakers did hit shots pretty well. The Heat weren't able to really get a rhythm going, and then they lost their players. They lost Adebayo and Drogic. They went down, and it really, I think, just they were kind of in shock in that game. They really were playing kind of like they just weren't quite ready. They weren't they did they didn't know what to expect from the Lakers. It, it was just they were kind of almost like a deer in headlights was kind of the vibe I got from game one. And then in game one, the Lakers just they outshot the Heat. They shot 39% from three and the, the Heat only shot 31%, which is not very good. Uh, I mean, 39% from the Lakers is it's not fantastic, but it's pretty good. Whereas like 31% shooting is just not not good at all. In game two, the Heat were just really outmanned the entire game. Um, the Lakers, the, the Lakers' biggest lead in game two was 18 points, and they were able to score 39 and 35 points in the second and third quarters. So that's just a sign of the Lakers' absolute dominance in that game and and that the Heat were just outmanned. They didn't have anyone to battle the physicality of Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard and LeBron James. And the Lakers punished the Heat for it. So, you know, I think that, um, yeah, so the Lakers shot 50% from the field and 35% from three. And it's funny because looking at the matchup for game two, it's crazy because it looks like the Heat had the better game. They shot 50% from, from the field, 40% from three, and then... 91% from free throw. And that's against the Lakers shooting 50% from the field and 35% from three. And then from the free throw line, the the Heat shot 91% from the free throw line. And the Lakers only shot 58% in game two. And then they had the same amount of turnovers as well in game two. So really what ended up coming down to is possessions. And the Heat just did not get as many shots on the basket as the Lakers did in game two. The Lakers took 97 attempts from the field, whereas the Heat only took 71. So even though they both teams shot 50% from the field, the Lakers shot 50% on 97 attempts, whereas the Heat shot 50% from 71 attempts. And right there is kind of that big disparity in that game. And in the in the first two games, the Lakers really had good production from the rotation guys. And they've had good production from them the entire series. That's both Games one, game two, and then when we look at game three as well. In game um game in game one, KCP had thirteen points, Danny Green had eleven points, Caruso had ten points, and then in game two, Rondo contributed with sixteen points, and then both Kuzma and KCP had eleven. And that's in and that's in a game in game two where both LeBron and Anthony Davis were scored thirty three and thirty two points. Um so that that production from the bench and from the rotation guys is absolutely needed and great to see. It's great to see that players are, even with LeBron and Anthony Davis playing well in those two games, that the rotation guys are doing their job. They're hitting shots. They're playing playing defense. Um, and in those those two games were very very, as a Lakers fan, fun to watch. Very exciting. Very cool to see, you know, Markeith Morris hitting threes, Alex Caruso's hitting threes, Rondo 
is making plays. He's dishing the ball. He's making layups. He's hitting, you know, even he's hitting threes. So, I mean, there still isn't one real consistent player for the Lakers as like a number three guy, but we do keep getting good production from the Lakers as a team. So we really want to hope to see the Lakers continue that and to see those guys continue to uh, just play good basketball and, and help support LeBron and Anthony Davis, especially as we try and close out this series. So the Lakers went up two games to zero in two absolutely dominant games, both great performances from the Lakers. And also, um, like I said, the Lakers had help in that the heat are not playing at full strength, or at least we're not playing at full strength in those first two games. So that did help, but the Lakers did play really good basketball. It's not all on the heat, not playing or not having guys or having guys that are injured because even in game one, when Adebayo and Goran Dragic were playing before they got hurt, the Lakers were still doing well and were still winning that game. So the Lakers deserve all the credit in those dominating performances in game one and game two. So all that being said, let's jump into game three. Not as exciting to talk about as game one and two. The Lakers played an absolutely abysmal game. They had 10 turnovers in the first quarter alone. With that, you know, with the math and all that, they were on pace to have, if they had kept playing the way they were playing in the first quarter, they were on pace for 40 turnovers in the game. That didn't happen. They ended up with 19 in the game. Still awful. But it's good to see that they cleaned it up. Obviously, you know, they ended up, they 10 in the first quarter, but only nine for the rest of the game. So that's good. But 19 turnovers in a game, man, that's tough. It's hard when you're giving the other team that many opportunities to score the basket and taking those opportunities away from you. That's rough. So that was, you know, with 10 turnovers in the first quarter, the Lakers got down by double digits two different times in the game. They came back. I think the the Heat's biggest lead in the game was 14 points. Both times the Lakers came back to take the lead and they just could not get it done. They ended up losing the game 114 to 105, I believe. Sorry, 115 to 104. So they lost the game by 11. Um, they just could not get it done. They did make runs. They, for as bad as they were playing, they did a good job at fighting and clawing back. They didn't just roll over, which is always good to see. Um, you know, it was kind of a close game with four, like three to four minutes left in the game. It was within three to six points. And the Lakers really did have an opportunity. They could have, they could have hit a couple threes and it would have really changed the outcome of the game. It could have given them some momentum, but instead we had some, you know, LeBron was going down and traveling in the key, which they were definitely travels. They were good calls. Um, but it just things that we just can't be having from, our best player or one of our best players on the team. So that those things really hurt the Lakers. It was good seat. It was good to see them fight and claw back and make it a close game, even with going down by double digit by double digits twice in the game. But it really, you know, it just definitely hurt to watch the bad turnovers and whatnot. And really also like Anthony Davis really struggled. He got into foul trouble very early in the game. I didn't, you know, I was trying to, I was on the plane. So my plane left at 6.45 out of, uh, we had a layover in Fort Worth. 
and plane left at 6.45 Central Time. The game started at 6.30 Central Time. So I was like kind of watching it before the plane took off. And then the plane took off and I had to wait to be able to get Wi-Fi and get the game back up. And in between that time, Anthony Davis already got three fouls. I think that was all in the first quarter. So he really got into foul trouble. I didn't see, I never, I didn't get a chance to go back and see what those foul calls were. Um, if they were good foul calls and Anthony Davis was just not playing smart or if he was getting robbed by the refs, I think I saw his fourth foul, which was, or no, his, I saw his third foul. So sorry, in between the time when I was watching it and then got Wi-Fi, he was on the bench in the first quarter with two fouls. And then I saw his third foul, which was him trying to go through a screen with the ball. Or no, he, sorry, he had the ball in his hand. He was driving. Kelly Olnick tried to draw a charge. Honestly, I think it was a bit of a bad call. Olnick, Olnick was still moving. Um, so that was his third foul. And then his fourth foul was just him doing a dumb thing where he like tried to hit the, he was following his man, tried to hit the ball out of the guy's hand. And, and he fouled him and hit him on the arm. So he got four fouls and he just was not playing himself. He only had 15 points. He had five rebounds and five turnovers. So just not a good game from him at all. He really did wasn't able to get into a rhythm just because he was on the bench so much. And then even when he was in the game, the Lakers weren't really running the ball through him, which was interesting. I, you know, I would have thought that to try and get him back into the rhythm, they would have really, especially with Bam Adebayo not in the game and Iguodala covering him. I would have thought that the Lakers would have tried to kind of force the ball through him just to get him in the rhythm, try and help him out. But instead, we had, you know, uh, Rondo was driving to the hoop and lay, trying to missing layups. And, and LeBron was kind of not playing well in that he was holding the ball a lot, trying to force a lot of things. And then he would drive and kick or he would have an open look and would kick it. It just was like things were not, the Lakers just were not in a good rhythm. They were not moving the ball well. And we weren't able to get Anthony Davis into a good rhythm, especially with the foul trouble. So like I said, 15, only 15 points, five rebounds, five turnovers. And then LeBron, like he scored more points, but like I said, he had a equally as disappointing game. He had 25 points, 10 rebounds. So like, that's good, but he had eight turnovers. He had eight of the 19 turnovers. And I get like, he's the one distributing the ball. He's making a lot of the passes. He has the ball in his hands a lot. So it makes sense, but just the game before in game two, LeBron became the first player since Magic Johnson to have over 25 points, I think it was, and no turnovers in an NBA Finals game or a playoff game. So he just went from having a great performance of like 32, 33 points in game two, bunch of assists, no turnovers, to only 25 points and eight turnovers. So just a, just all around when Anthony Davis, and this is what we know about the Lakers, is if Anthony Davis and LeBron, if one of them don't show up, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard. And when both don't show up, it's going to be really hard. So the Lakers were still in it in, late in the game, even with the bad performance, But which goes to show how good the Lakers really are. But when you don't have AD or LeBron zoned in and playing their best games, or even close to their best games, 
it's going to be hard to win games. So looking at the Heat in Game 3, Jimmy Butler was playing out of his mind. And he, had, he by far, had to, this had to have been the best game of his career. He had 40 points, 11 rebounds, 13 assists. And the Lakers defensively just had no answer for him. So when you have a triple-double on 40 points, 11 rebounds, 13 assists, lead your team to an NBA Finals win, that's a hell of a game. So hats off to Jimmy Butler for that performance last night. And the Lakers, like I said, they just had no answer. They couldn't get him good. They couldn't stop him. He drove. He knew the Lakers were in foul trouble. He drove to the basket, got to the basket, made layups, made, uh, you know, he would jump stop, do a little spin fade away in the key. And he hit the shot. You know, he just played out of his mind. Um, he had to, I'm curious what his, shooting percentage was because he did not miss very many shots at all in game three. Just want to pull up the box score and see because he was fantastic. And it's it's pretty crazy because for how well Jimmy Butler played and the fact that he had the best game of his life, of his career, and the and had the Lakers hit some key shots down the stretch they were in that game. Who knows what could have happened? They could have easily still won that game with how bad they played and with how well Jimmy Butler played. And they still had a chance to win the game. And there was a few open open threes, a few open... You know, it was very... I was going to get to this a little later, but it was very reminiscent of the Lakers game three loss in the Western Conference Finals to the Denver Nuggets, where the Lakers just were not clicking, were not playing well, not shooting too well. Both um, Jokic and Jamal Murray were playing well. It looked like the Nuggets... I mean, the Nuggets, I think, in that game got up to like 20 points in that game. And still the Lakers had a chance to come back. And there were some shots that, had they hit them, it could have been a different game. I'm not saying the Lakers would have won that game, but it definitely would have been different. Same with last night's game in Game 3. I'm not saying the Lakers would have won that game, but the game could have looked a lot different had they hit just one or two more threes down the stretch could have given them some could have given them some momentum could have taken some momentum from the heat um but instead it kind of went the other way around so let's see jimmy butler he shot yep 14 for 20 70% from the field didn't take any threes and he got fouled a ton got 14 free throw attempts made 12 of them shooting 85% from the free throw line so like i said he was just unstoppable 70% on 20 attempts. That's that's a near-perfect game for Jimmy Butler right there. So, so yeah, Jimmy Butler played well. Like I said, the, the Lakers could have hit shots, could have changed the game, but instead the Heat did. So the Heat, you know, Heat players hit big shots when they needed them. Kind of seemed like every time the Lakers were coming back or starting to make a run, Tyler Hero or Olenek would hit a big three. And in, in game three, each of those guys ended up with 17 points in the game. So Jimmy Butler with 40, Kelly Olenek and Tyler Hero with uh, 17 each. So it just, it's crazy because like I said, the, Jimmy Butler had the best game of his career and the Lakers still had a shot with how poorly they played, with how many turnovers they had, with how bad Anthony Davis played with how bad LeBron James played. They still had a chance. So that's very encouraging for me as a, as a Lakers fan, as someone watching that game. 
it was very upsetting to watch in the moment. But looking back on it, you know, the Lakers, I said Lakers in six was my prediction for this series. I, you know, I think if I would have known, and I think for many people, if they had the crystal ball and knew that Adebayo and Goran Dragic were going to be hurt for even a few games in the series, maybe that would change the prediction. But, you know, my prediction of Lakers in six, they were going to lose two games and they lost one game and the Lakers played terribly and the Heat played about as well as they can with the players they had in that game. So for from the Lakers standpoint, I'm pretty I'm still pretty encouraged by that performance and hopefully the Lakers can kind of clean it up, make some adjustments and whatnot. Um in the in from the Lakers standpoint, while AD and LeBron did not play well, Kuzma and Markeith Morris helped keep the Lakers afloat in the game. Both had 19 points. Kuzma hit four threes. Markeith Morris had five threes. So that really did help a lot. Um, yeah, and like I said, it seemed that not only was AD struggling, but the Lakers like stopped running the ball through him. I think if they would have forced the ball into him, and I, you know, I get it. Anthony Davis was playing a bit softer because he had the fouls and was trying to be careful. But I think had we forced the ball into him, things just good things happen when when Anthony Davis has the ball in his hands, whether it's him hitting shots or him distributing because he's getting double teamed or things like that. So that was a bit disappointing. I think that had the Lakers done that, things would have changed. Um, and then, like I said, LeBron, instead of going through Anthony Davis, LeBron was settling for threes, turning the ball overs, passing up opportunities, and just not was not playing with his mind focused in the game. So in terms of team shooting, the Heat, they shot 51% from the field versus the Lakers only shooting 43%. And then the Heat shot 35% from three versus the Lakers shooting 33% from three. You know, a lot of that difference in terms of the field goals is, you know, Jimmy Butler shooting 70% on 20 attempts. So that that was undeniably a great performance by him. And then on top of that, the Lakers only shot 75% from the free throw line. And I think in, in last night's game, in game three, that really hurt the Lakers. The Lakers lost by nine. They, sorry, they lost by eleven, and they missed seven free throws. So even if they make three or four more free throws, not even if they go perfect from the line, but let's just say they make three or four more, then we're looking at like a seven-point differential as opposed to an eleven-point differential at the end of the game, which things look a little different a little better when you make those free throws. So, and then in game two, the Lakers only hit like 56% of their free throws, 58%. So like, I've, this has been something I've said since the beginning of the playoffs. Free throw shooting is important. They call it free throws for a reason. You know, they're literally, the team is literally giving you free attempts at points. So by not taking advantage of it, they're only making their job harder. And it's really something that, and especially being a Lakers fan since, you know, growing up in the Kobe era, like it was rare to see Kobe miss a free throw and LeBron and AD, they've been, they've been decent from the free throw line. Anthony Davis is usually pretty automatic from the free throw line, but the missed free throws are really like, 
even I mean the Lakers won game two, but the idea that they may only made fifty eight percent of their free throws is just very bothersome to me as a Lakers fan. And I said it in previous episodes, but when the Lakers get it's one thing when they blow out a team if you shoot sixty percent from the free throw line, it doesn't really matter or doesn't make a difference in that game. But when you get into a close game, and last night's game it ended it ended as an eleven point game, but it was for all intents and purposes up for grabs with four minutes left in the fourth quarter. And when you're in a close game and you are missing free throws and you're only you only make seventy five percent of your free throws, then that's really gonna hurt down the stretch. And I think it really did make a dent and hurt the Lakers down the stretch. So again, that's something that I would love to see the Lakers clean up. And I think it just shows that the Lakers weren't that focused in last night's game. They didn't shoot well. They didn't shoot well from the free throw line. They had a ton of turnovers. So hopefully they um, can kind of clean things up going forward. And then, yeah, like I said, this game felt very similar to the loss against the Nuggets where couldn't get couldn't get into a rhythm, had a lot of mistakes, had to dig themselves out of a big hole. They gave themselves an opportunity to even have a chance in, at winning the game, but just couldn't hit big shots down the stretch. And um, the other team just played better. So I think that's kind of my, that was my outlook, my, my takeaway from game three. Definitely need to see more focus, better basketball from the Lakers. Both on on both sides of the court, offensively and defensively, and hopefully we can make the adjustments and move forward and and close out the rest of the series. So, in terms of like prediction for the rest of the series, in my mind, there isn't any reason that the Lakers shouldn't win out the rest of the series, especially without a bio and Drogic out. There's no reason to like it, and that's why it was last night's game was frustrating. Was that with especially without a bio and Drogic out? There's no reason the Lakers should have lost that game. I get Jimmy Butler played well, but even with that, there's no reason the Lakers should have lost, lost that game. Had they played even half as good as they can play or three quarters of good as good as they can play as their best game, they should have won that game. So that's why it's frustrating. But, I, you know, in an NBA Finals, you're, you, you shouldn't expect to win every game. So it was definitely a frustrating loss, but... But... It kind of happens. Seven game series. It is a long, long series. It's tough to win four games in a row. So frustrating, but understandable. Moving forward, in my mind, with things how they're how they are right now, there isn't any re- any reason that the Lakers should not win out the rest of the series. I think a lot of it will have to do with the injury status on Adebayo and Drogic. You know, if they miss the rest of the series, then there isn't any reason the Lakers should not win in five games. And then, but you know, obviously the the game plan for the Lakers changes depending on who is playing. But I fully expect that the Lakers will make the right adjustments and come out strong in game four. If Adebayo and Drogic are out, then I think the Lakers really need to attack Jimmy Butler defensively. They need to throw double teams at him, make him uncomfortable, kind of do what they did to. And I think the Heat did do a good job of that against Anthony Davis in Game Three. They really made him uncomfortable or tried to make him uncomfortable when he had the ball in his hands. The Lakers need to do the same thing against Jimmy Butler, especially if Drogic and Adebayo are not in the game. If they are in the game, things change. You kind of have to go back to whatever 
really what worked in game one, go back to that kind of game plan. But I'd much rather, again, if Jimmy Butler is the main threat, I'd much rather have the Lakers double team Jimmy Butler and trying to get the ball out of his hands and have Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hero or Andre Iguodala try and beat us than Jimmy Butler dropping 40 points. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think we've gone through the same song and dance with, with the Lakers for three series already where the Lakers lose a game. They kind of don't play with their heads in the game for a game. Um, this series feels very similar to how the Nuggets series was. I don't see the Lakers letting it slip now. They've they've done this already. Um, I don't see any reason to start downing them now. Um, it won't be easy. I think the Lakers will be able to come out and win game four, especially after last night's performance from LeBron and Anthony Davis. They're going to come out mad, fired up, upset, wanting to prove a point, not wanting to let... You know, we had, so I don't know if you guys have seen on Twitter, but there's been a lot of the Lakers fans been sharing videos of teams from the other players, uh, players from the other teams that the Lakers have been playing throughout the series with the Blazers, the Rockets, the Nuggets, and now the Heat. And there's the there was the moment in game one against the Blazers when the, when the Blazers were going to win game one. Damian Lillard started dancing. And then from that point on, the Lakers went and won four games in a row. Same thing happened in game in the Rockets series where the Lakers lost game one. Russell Westbrook was John. He was being all loud. Lakers went on to win four games in a row. And then in the Denver, in the Western Conference Finals against the Nuggets, the Lakers were up 2-0 in game three. Jamal Murray hit a big three and kind of was like shimmying down the court, you know, and then the Lakers went out and won out that series. And so then last night there was a moment where, well, there was one moment where Jimmy Butler was kind of like talking smack, saying something. I don't really know what he said exactly, but he said something. And then later on in the game, Tyler Hero took it. I think he took it at LeBron, got fouled, and he like made this like snarl face, which everyone's kind of laughing at because he like does not look like a tough guy, but he uh, made that snarl face, which is hilarious. So if the Lakers see that, I think it's over. The Lakers are going to come out pissed. They're going to come out. They're going to show the heat who is the better team. And obviously we all know that the better team is the Lakers. I had my prediction at Lakers in six before the series with how things have gone especially with the injuries, even if Bam Adebayo does come back. I don't know if he's going to be at full strength. And I think the Lakers will do what they can to close out the series and win games four and win game five. So I think the Lakers will close out the NBA Finals in five games if Anthony Davis and LeBron James and the team can, can play how they played in games one and game two. So I had said Lakers in six. I'm going to go Lakers in five, even if even if Bam Adebayo comes back and if Goran Dragic comes back, which is probably unlikely, but even if they do come back, they're not going to be at full strength, and I think the Lakers will do what they have to do to win this series in five games. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Lakers Carpool. If you enjoyed the episode, 
please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share it on social media with your friends. You can find the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or most places where you listen to podcasts. Again, thank you so much for listening, and go Lakers!